Hello, ATBs. Before we start this episode rounding up some more of the books that we loved in 2017, I just want to let you know that Book Riot's full best books of 2017 list is out. You can find it at bookriot.com slash best books of 2017. It is a big, beautiful, eclectic, and inclusive list. The staff and contributors vote to determine the books that we most loved this year, and then we take turns blurbing them, and it might be the best year yet. Um, so give it a peek. That's bookriot.com slash best books of 2017. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 138, and today we are talking about more of our favorite books released in 2017. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Back at it. Yes. I we're could recording do like 10 more like, episodes of I this. I know, see, we're doing this in a double <laughs> header. Like, we just finished recording the first part of this show. Um, and it, it's funny, like, maybe it's because we just super love all of the books that we're talking about today. But yeah, I feel like I could do so many more of these. Yeah. I read a lot of books this year, like, more than I've ever read. So, a fair number of them were incredible. So it's it's very stressful for me to have to just pick a, like a few of them to talk I about. I can't imagine. I'm actually going to end the year, barring some kind of miracle, with a little smaller of a total number this year than I typically have. This was the year that I started a lot of books that I didn't end up finishing. So I think I probably... Oh, my eyes are bleeding. Oh, I know. I think I probably <laughs> started. I know you and your failure to fail, I guess. It's not um, a good I, thing. <laughs> I probably started more books than ever this year, but I'm going to end up having finished fewer of them. So I'm not sure what that says, but the quality of the books that I did finish, I feel really good about. And um, if we had four more of these episodes, I could probably find some more books that I loved to talk about. Don't send us emails about how you want this to have four more episodes, though. <laughs> we're doing we won't too, be paying attention. <laughs> we're giving you the good stuff here. This is the cupcakes. So with no further ado, let's kick it off, Lib. Before I tell you about my first book, I want to shout out another book that I talked about a lot this year and last year because I read it last year. Uh, but I just needed to mention it one more time, and that is See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. Not only because I loved it so much, it's a creepy, weird, awesome you know, novel about Lizzie Borden, but because I discovered that Sarah Schmidt, who lives in Australia, I have never met anyone who has so many of the same interests and tastes in the same things as I do. Like, literally... Like, whenever she talks about an album, her favorite song on that album is my favorite song on that album. Like, I'm not entirely sure. Have you ever seen us in the same room together? I'm not entirely sure that we're not the same person. She is so awesome. I can't wait to see what she does next. So I just wanted to shout that out again. So now moving on, another one of my favorite story collections of the year. It is The Redemption of Gallon Pike, stories by Karis Davies. It is fantastic. It won awards, but it I don't think it got a lot of attention here, like in the States. And I just feel like everyone should read it. Um, she's the, got these very like slow burning, powerful stories. Um, there's one about new neighbors who discover that they have something in common. Um, there's one about a famous author who goes to buy a bonnet, but really the title story is where it's at. It's so fantastic, especially in this political climate. It's perfect about a spinster in, it's in, it takes place in the 1800s. She spends her time visiting a violent criminal at the jail. He has been given an execution date. He's going to be hung in the square. 
Um, and she goes and she sits with him, you know, while he's waiting. And at first he's like, you know, ugh, you know, awful, nasty, disgusting, horrible to her. And she's very patient and she's very kind. And, you know, as he gets closer to his execution, you know, he starts to open up to her and they talk about their lives. And it's like a very meaningful thing to him when his day comes. Um, and there's also a great twist to it. So it's so fantastic. I just I love this collection to pieces. And she has a novel coming out next year. I cannot wait to read Again, it's called The Redemption of Gallon Pike, stories by Karis Davies. Right. My first pick this week um, of, well, not just this week, but one of my top picks of the year, because that is what we're doing on this episode. <laughs> Things <laughs> always fall apart in the second show. Uh, is Tears We Cannot Stop, A Sermon to White America by Michael Eric Dyson. Uh, he is a professor of sociology at Georgetown. He's also a preacher. And this book came out in January, just before the inauguration, um, as it's written as a sermon. I listened to it on audio where Michael Eric Dyson delivers the sermon and it is it is like you're going to church. It's wonderful. Um, but this is written from a black man to white Americans about what it is to be black in this country, about the history of race in America, the long running um, issues that we are still grappling with today. Um, he looks at how racially divided the country has become. He looks at um, Donald Trump's role in that and in um, inciting new round, like new rounds of white nationalism. And he talks about like, if you're a white person and you don't understand what white privilege means or your life is hard, um, so you don't feel privileged, how can you comprehend that you still have privilege over what a black person experiences on a daily basis? Things like, you know, if, you, if you're a white person, no matter how hard your life is, if you get pulled over by a cop on a routine traffic stop, you don't have to be routinely afraid that you will be killed on a routine traffic stop. This is the difference in the experience. And he's pleading with white Americans to understand the gravity of the situation, the historical context, and to find some way forward. Um, this is, it's so powerful. I think it should be essential reading for anyone who is trying to get woke in any fashion. Um, it's, I think, also a very good, like not not an explainer in the sense that it would, like it doesn't diminish any of these issues, but he does explain the history and context and like why saying all lives matter is dismissive of the real issue, why that's not helpful. Um, he explains these things in a very clear way that if there's somebody in your life, or maybe it's you um, who is wrestling with this stuff, is trying to figure it out. Like, what does this mean? Why do people get mad at me when I say all lives matter? That kind of stuff. This is this would be a great book to go to. Um, if you're already working in activism and thinking about racial issues, it's also really fantastic. Even Toni Morrison loved it and blurbed it. It's, you know, basically impossible to do better than that. And if you're an audiobook person, I can't emphasize enough how wonderful this is on audio. So it's Tears We Cannot Stop, A Sermon to White America by Michael Eric Dyson. I have no good segue. For no, there's, there's just not one. don't have a segue for our first sponsor, uh, who is... Third Love. Third Love is back. We love Third Love. And it's holiday time, which means you want to look your best around the holidays. And with so many parties and reunions coming up, who has time to go to the department store? And who wants to visit that hell? So when you finally pick out the right party outfit, don't let it be ruined by an ill-fitting bra. This holiday season, give yourself the gift of Third Love. Third Love uses thousands of real women's measurements to create bras that are super comfortable and make you look and feel great. And they also have that super smoothing memory foam. 
like the bras that I used to wear before I discovered Third Love, like they never fit right. And like one of my boobs was always like a close talker. It was always like going over <laughs> to see what the other one was doing. You know, like when you're always like having to tuck it in and, and it doesn't happen with Third Love. It's like they have this memory foam and it's amazing. And I, I got one and I put it on and my boobs were like, new foam, who dis? It's just, it's fantastic. So... Anyway, moving on, Third Love offers bras in sizes AA through G, as well as their exclusive half-cup sizes, and with over 15 styles, including strapless and plunge, there's a bra for every holiday party look. And if you're not sure about your size, you can chat with a fit specialist or take their Fit Finder quiz as you shop to f- from the comfort of your own home. And because Third Love knows it's the season to spread cheer, they're offering 15% off your first purchase so you can feel and look your best this holiday season. So go to thirdlove.com books now to upgrade your holiday style with a perfect fitting Third Love bra and get 15% off your purchase. That's thirdlove.com books for 15% off your Third Love bra. And we thank them for sponsoring. <laughs> You just about broke me there. <laughs> yeah, it was a cheap shot, but I took it. <laughs> if we had done a more strategic organization of these titles, Tears We Cannot Stop <laughs> into your next pick would have been a really smooth transition. So let's pretend that's what we've done. Okay, because my next pick is White Tears by Harry Kunzru. And I was a little concerned. It came out like in the middle of the year and I felt like I didn't hear anybody talk about it. But it actually is on a ton of end of the year lists because it's so fantastic. It's it's basically a horror novel. I mean, it's, it's horror. I'm going to say that right out there. It's about two white hipster dudes in Brooklyn. They're really super into music. One of them has more money than he knows what to do with. And he sort of like finances their like DJing and all their habits. And they decide to release this video out into the internet where they say they discovered this like old timey blues musician from the 1920s. And this is his music. And everyone's like obsessed with like finding out who it is. But then they get this phone call from a guy who says, oh, that's a real musician. And then all these really terrible, scary things start happening. It's basically a nightmare that they incur of appropriation and racism and exploitation. It's a discussion of all these things in America. Um, you know, all the, the choices that they have made and their privilege have brought this on. And it's fantastic. I I didn't even read the description of it, like, when I read it, so I had no idea what I was getting into. And when things started to go very, very wrong, I was just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It's so awesome. Again, it's called White Tears, and it's by Harry Kunzru. All right. My next pick is Out of This World. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, It's The Wanderers by Meg Howry. This is an awesome novel about three astronauts who have been handpicked out of contenders. Everybody, like every astronaut wants this job, but these three are going to be the first ever to go to the first mission to Mars. Um, And the mission is still several years away. So the company that's going to send them into space, it's called Prime Space. Um, Think kind of like Elon Musk's company um, is running this and they want to do as much research ahead of time and as much preparation as they can. So they have the three astronauts, Helen, Yoshi, and Sergei, and they're putting them into basically a simulation of of being on Mars. Um, And they test them and observe them and 
they're like in a they're in a pod spaceship thingy like out in the desert i think somewhere in utah but they have suits that simulate how much they would weigh they go outside and do experiments that are like what it would be like to be out on mars and they live in these very closely confined quarters with each other they're away from their families for a really long time and prime space is trying to figure out can these people live together and work together and not kill each other um, for as long as it would take to get to Mars and conduct a mission and come back um, and what kinds of problems arise. And they just want to figure out all of that stuff before they actually send them to Mars. Um, in the book, Meg Howry moves back and forth between the three different characters and also some of their friends and family members. And um, the, the astronaut characters are wonderful, but some of the secondary characters are the most memorable in the book and some of the more fun and memorable characters that I've encountered in fiction in a while. Just there's nobody's thrown away in this novel. Every character who's there is fully realized. They have real personality. And this is, you know, part adventure story. But as the astronauts each spend a lot of time in their own heads doing their work, but also preparing to be far away from everything, it becomes a voyage inside as well. And so there's a lot of contemplation and a lot of personal insight and a lot of questioning of their choices and of relationships. And as happens with three people in close quarters, some unexpected things occur and they're just being observed every minute by prime space. And there's a really pretty interesting um, twist to some of this too, but I don't want to spoil any of that. I loved this novel. Um, I just sunk right into it as soon as I started reading. And I want to give a shout out while I'm talking about The Wanderers to the other sort of trippy, weird space book um, or space novel of the year that I also really enjoyed. Didn't quite make my top 10, but it gets a shout today. It's The Spaceman of Bohemia by Yaroslav Kalfar. Awesome. Want to hear my next one? Now say Please. no. Please. You were like, okay. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times, but it's worth shouting out again. It's Priest Daddy by Patricia Lockwood. Patricia Lockwood is a poet, and this is her memoir about her family and her father, who is a Catholic priest. Like, an actual, like, legal, like, father Catholic priest, not like a sneaky, you know, sort of thing that happened all the time. Um, Because her dad found a loophole in the system. He was a Lutheran minister and discovered that if you already have a family and you want to become a Catholic priest, you can. So she and her husband, uh, through some circumstances, end up moving in with her mother and her father, who is a larger-than-life character. Like, really, I'm waiting for the movie of this because he is quite the character. And it's all about, like... Um, what living with them then was like and her childhood growing up in sort of this like unconventional religious family you know with her dad it's so so funny probably the other funniest book that I read this year for sure and it's just just so strange and awesome Uh, again it's called Priest Daddy and it's by Patricia Lockwood all right do you want to hear about our next sponsor this week yes please Okay. Our next sponsor this week is the Reckless series by Cornelia Funk. If you're looking to give books as gifts this holiday season, and honestly, you're listening to this show, so of course you are, consider Cornelia Funk's Reckless, The Petrified Flesh. It's the first book in her fantasy series that puts a dark twist on classic fairy tales. It follows a talented treasure hunter named Jacob Reckless and his shape-shifting companion Fox through their adventures in a magic-filled pre-industrial revolution era dimension called the Mirror World. 
world. This is great for readers who love a rich YA or new adult fantasy. You might have read Cornelia Funk's popular middle grade series, Ink Heart, Ink Spell, Ink Death, and she's also the author of The Thief Lord, Dragon Rider, and The Wild Chicks. Um, The Reckless series brings all her lush world-building skill to a different and more complex fantasy ideal for the now-grown readers of her earlier stories. Reckless, The Petrified Flesh, is out with Funk's independent publishing company, Breathing Books. It's available on Amazon, but Cornelia and Breathing Books want to encourage readers to support your local indie bookstore and head there for a copy. You can also visit their website, breathing-books.com, for more information. So thanks to them for sponsoring. What do you got next? I have next um, kind of a memoir about books, kind of a memoir about friendships, kind of a meditation on loss. One of uh, my favorite reads of the year, because we're talking about it on this show, so I guess I'll stop just saying that. Um, It's The Futilitarians, Our Year of Thinking, Drinking, Grieving, and Reading by Anne Gisselson. Um, A couple of years ago, Anne Gisselson lost her twin sisters to suicide. She and her husband and their family had been forced to leave their home in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. She had lost her father. Her husband had suffered losses of his own, and they kind of just discovered that they and many of their close friends were struggling with the existential questions. How do we go forward? What is this all about? Um, And they were just, you know, trying to make a way to, you know, keep going forward in life in the face of really incredible and huge losses and grief and also the daily the daily tricky stuff like raising kids and dealing with rough patches in marriages and financial issues that arise. Um, so they formed a group of their friends in New Orleans that they called the Existential Crisis Reading Group, which they jokingly decided to refer to as the Futilitarians. Um, and they would get together each month to read and discuss um, some book that talked about these big existential issues. They read Epicurus, they read Tolstoy, um, Cheever, Martin Amos, Clarice Lispector, a couple of other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head. And so the book is the memoir of that year. It's a meditation on those readings that they did, but also a look at Anne Gisselson's own family, what she learns about herself and her family in the process of making sense of this loss, like through the lens of the reading group. Um, And also great little tidbits about the conversations that the group had about each reading, um, what questions arose, what arguments they had, how their lives all changed over the course of the year. I found it so human, really open, very inspiring. It made me kind of want to make a list of my own existential questions and come up with a year's worth of reading about them. Um, So that's The Futilitarians by Anne Gisselson. I don't know how it happened because I read a lot of books, but my split between fiction and nonfiction was very different than it usually is. It's usually like 60-40, and I would say that it was even like 80-20 this year. I don't know how that happened, but definitely one of my favorite nonfiction books of the year Um, A really hard one to read, but just incredible, is After the Eclipse, A Mother's Murder, A Daughter's Search by Sarah Perry. Um, Not only because, I want to mention it, not only because the book was fantastic, but I also went to see her read, and I had this, like, crazy reaction that has never happened to me before, and it was so interesting. Like, this is the true story. When Sarah was 12 years old, she got up out of her bed and found that her mother had been murdered in the kitchen. Um, it, It was a terrible, terrible crime. She was 12. It was 1994. She didn't know if if whoever did it was still in the house. There's this very dramatic scene where she's, like, running down the road to get away, and she's banging on people's doors, and it's just horrifying. And for 12 years, they didn't know 
who had committed this crime. They suspected her, you know, uh, Sarah's mother's boyfriend and her ex-boyfriends and, you know, all these people, but they, they never solved it. And eventually, you know, she she didn't have a relationship with her father, so she got moved around between her relatives and she kind of, you know, moved away and, and n- like, no one knew. And then in 2006, she received a phone call saying, we know who did it, and she had to come back to Maine. Um, and she went through, like, the case files and, and learned all the stuff that she wasn't really aware of, you know, when she was younger. Um and it's just, it's absolutely heartbreaking, but the writing is so beautiful and so incredible. But also, like, she gave a reading in Portland, and I went to see her talk, and she was signing my book, and I realized, like, while I was standing there, that it just came back to me, like, what this woman had gone through. And my whole body just started shaking, because I hope that it never happens to anybody, you know, an experience like that. You know, like, what a what a tremendously strong person to, like, be there talking about this you know, it was just, it was an incredible sensation, and she's just so smart and so brave, and it's just a fantastic book. So again, it's called After the Eclipse, A Mother's Murder, A Daughter's Search by Sarah Perry. Yeah. Um, I'm going from there to something kind of weird and whimsical. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> that's what you get on these variety shows, I guess. Um, one of my other faves this year is Perfect Little World by Kevin Wilson. He wrote The Family Fang a few years back. And this is such a just weird, great novel um, about family and what family might mean, also about psychology, also about weird experiments that people undertake. Um, it begins with a teenage girl. She's just out of high school. She's pregnant by her art teacher. She wants to keep the baby, but she's totally on her own. And um, she doesn't have any money. She gets approached by this guy who's a child psychologist, and he proposes that um, her child and she will be totally taken care of if she will join this perfect little world that he's trying to create. Basically, it's a contained experiment where um, families and their 10 children they call it the Infinite Family Project, um, will move into this like beautifully funded, huge compound that has everything they could ever need, but the children will all be raised collectively by the parents for the first few years, and the children won't know which of the adults are their biological parents. Um, so there are, it's kind of a co-op in that sense that all of the parents are involved in raising all of the children. There's a lot of data that's being collected about the whole experiment because Dr. Grind is trying to move toward like making a case for this utopian way of having families essentially kind of for everybody going forward. And as you can imagine with something as complex as um, relationships, couples, single mothers, all their children, and um, a psychologist who has a couple competing motives, things go slightly or more than slightly awry. Um, I just thought this was a really fun novel, um, very creatively thought and fully put together. So that's Perfect Little World by Kevin Wilson. He has a book of stories coming in August of Does next year. Does he really? Yep. I didn't know that. It's called Baby, You're Gonna Be Mine. It's oh, out cool. August 7th, I think, which is fast for him because it's usually like a few years in between. So this is very yeah. exciting. So mark it All down. Right. What's up next for you? My last one. My, I think, right? I can't yep, do math. last one. I can only read words. I don't do math. <laughs> um, it, so I loved this book. And, like, so it's The Widow Nash by Jamie Harrison, 
which came out from Counterpoint. Just love, 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 love this this dark historical fiction book. But I only just recently learned that her father was Jim Harrison, the novelist, who is just incredible. If you've never read him, you know, read everything he's written, you know, right now. Um, which I was like, oh, that's, like, I like that one. It's, like, in the family, you know, like, the talent is, like, obvious and fantastic, you know? So I thought that was an extra cool thing about it. But the novel is just amazing. It takes place in 1904. It's about a young woman named Dulcie. Um, her father is just a wild, drinking, crazy man. He's gone to Africa to uh, sell some mines that he and his partner owns. Um, except he has syphilis. It's affecting his brain because he's just a wild carouser. Um, and so he doesn't know what he did with the money. He returns home without all the money that he got for, from selling the mine. So he's fine with it because what does he care? He's crazy. But his partner, who also happens to be Dulcie's ex-fiance, is less than impressed that he has come home without the money that he was supposed <laughs> to get. And so he kind of, like, imprisons them in the house, um, hires detectives to try and, like, trace her father's path. Um, he, her father is very, very sick, and he doesn't get any better. And he dies before they, they figure out, like, what happened to the money. And... She decides that, you know, she's supposed to be, like, you know, settling down and finding a husband, and her ex-fiancé is kind of a jerk. Well, he, he's a, definitely a jerk, but, like, you know, she, she these aren't the things that she wants in life. Like, she doesn't want to be stuck in a home with a horrible man. And so while she is traveling with her father's body, she pulls a disappearance, and she reinvents herself as the Widow Nash. Um, but, of course, you know, her fiancé, her ex-fiancé, I should say, um, isn't going to let her go that easily, he thinks, you know, something is up, and so he's looking for her, and so she's trying to, like, make this new life and figure out if she'll ever be free. It's fantastic. I want to see this as, like, a Netflix series. It's so good. Um, so it is called The Widow Nash, and it is by Jamie Harrison. All right. My last pick today and of the year is Guidebook to Relative Strangers, Journeys into Race, Motherhood, and History by Camille Dungy. Um, this is a... It's part travel memoir, but not in the like, here are the places that I visited and the feelings that I had in them, or not just in that way. Um, Dungy is a black woman. She is a poet, and the writing here is really beautiful. And the book is particularly about the first year or so, uh, or the first couple of years of her being a mother. Um, she travels and gives lectures at other schools very frequently, and that's easy to do when you don't have kids. But after she had a child, she decided to take her daughter with her on many of her travels. Um, so she writes about what it is to be traveling as a black woman by herself with a child, um, very mundane things like what happens to her, how people treat her in airports, um, how people look at her when she travels um, to a conference in a small town in Alaska where they're really not used to seeing black people. Um, she tells a story about going on a trip to like a writer's retreat or something kind of like bread loaf, like a writer's colony, um, and going on a hike uh, in a group in which she's the only black person and um, she injures herself and can't get down the mountain by herself. She doesn't want to let them carry her because she doesn't want to rely on someone else, but she also doesn't want to crawl on her hands and knees down the mountain and be a black woman crawling like literally at the feet of a bunch of white people. Like nobody wants that situation. Um, she sits at lunch with some of the white writers and they, one of them sort of makes her the token black person in the conversation. And she writes about those microaggressions. Um, and it's just a really, like the way that she weaves back and forth between 
between these big issues of motherhood and race and her particular experiences as a writer and as a poet and as an academic and pulls all the issues together. It's really just beautifully done. Um, Our colleague Jen first recommended this to me when I was looking for some travel-related writing by people of color, um, and it just rang all of the right bells. So that's A Guidebook to Relative Strangers, Journeys into Race, Motherhood, and History by Camille Dungy. And we did it! Yes! Now, I know that in the 15 minutes between when we finished recording the last episode and this episode, I read a whole book, so what are you going to read next? I don't know! Um, Maybe... Let's see. Just talk Maybe. about like what you're super excited, you know, for. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I'm just actually looking read around. I know. I wouldn't be surprised if you have. Um, I'm looking at the shelves in my office. I am really excited about Fire Sermon, which is yeah. an upcoming novel by Jamie Quattro, whose short story collection, I think it was called I Want to Show You More. Is that it? I think so. Um, Yes, I loved that collection several years back, and I'm so excited to read her novel. And it's about a dark and twisty marriage, which is just even better. So that's definitely on my holiday list. But as you're listening to this show, well, maybe by the time you listen to the show, I will have read the books I said I was going to read on the previous <laughs> episode. So who even knows? Who Anything could happen. That's true. Um, that is all for today. This is the end of 2017. The next time you hear from us, we'll be back in January talking about some of our most anticipated titles of the year. Uh, so thank you to all of you for listening for another great year. Hooray. Don't forget to check out Book Riot's Best Books of the Year at bookriot.com slash bestbooks of 2017. Thank you to our sponsors. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to get 15% off your purchase at Third Love. And then you too can say new foam hoodis. And to Breathing <laughs> Books really and Cornelia Funk's. <laughs> it's like gloriously bad though. Um, to Cornelia Funk's Reckless series from Breathing Books, go to breathing-books.com for more information. Uh, if you'd like to drop us a line, we can be reached at all the books at bookriot.com. Talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you would like to give us a little gift this holiday season, and we would love a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. So now, Rebecca, um, Merry Christmas and Happy Birthday and Happy New Year. Aww. I think that covers all the things that are going to take place between now and the next time. Yes. Merry, happy, all the things. Yes. <laughs> And you too. We'll talk to you soon. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading.